Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the NSL's podcast. My name is Stephen, the host of the NSL's. Hope you're all well who's listening. I'm delighted to be joined by a show regular, Francis. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm not too bad, Stephen. Not too bad yourself. I'm fine, but I'm fine. Originally, Good. this show was meant to have four people on it, but <laughs> things have come up, and neither of us two, eh? <laughs> yeah, neither of us two. What we're going to do is going to be a slightly different podcast. It's not going to be too long or too in-depth. We're just going to have a wee transfer roundup talk about players we've brought in, especially the final day there, it was quite busy. I'm also kind of touch upon areas that we feel that could have been strengthened. Obviously, we were all kind of aware it'd be hard to get every position strengthened in this window, but going forward, what we can look at and what can we can look to add in the transfer, the January transfer window anyway. But we started off with the signings. We signed Joe Hart, Uralovich, Carl Starfeld, Cameron Carter, Fickers. It's a tongue twister. That is a tongue twister. Irrigidi, Liam Scales, McCarthy, Liam Shaw, Abada, Jada, Kyogo, and Giamakis. So all in all, that's 12 players that's come in, Francis. It was a busy final day. We signed three players. We signed Jada on loan from Benfica with an option to buy. We also brought in Carter Vickers with an option to buy from Spurs. And then Giamakis came in as well. And I've quite thing today. I've seen that. He was given the number seven shirt. But touching upon them three at the start of the show, in terms of figures, I think he'll be a he'll be a great kind of sign the centre back. He's already had international pedigree with the uh, United States national team. He played in the championship last year with Bournemouth, and by all accounts, what I've been reading, he was one of their star performers. And then you look at the the likes of Jada coming in. Now we spoke about this on the, on the last podcast. He does look frightening. Again, that's YouTube clips. We can we can only go by yeah. by so by, by so much, but I'm, I'm led to believe he's won awards at every kind of age level in Portugal. He was on loan to a Spanish club last year, albeit he only made 18 appearances. But again, he seemed to do well. He scored a few goals and assisted a few goals as well. And then we've got the the Dutch league top goal scorers come in, Giamakis, and he was handed the number seven shirt today. Has big big shoes to fill. Hamrick Larson, all them players, just to name a few. So coming to yourself, Francis, with them free coming in the final day. One striker, one centre back, and a wide man. How were you feeling when you seen them players coming through? I was, I was really happy, Steve, because it was obviously three positions that we we all wanted strength in, especially the the left wing and striker position with Christian Edwardley uh, going out the exit door. So it was two positions we really need filling. I mean, we needed the left wing position filling anyway. Christie isn't a left mid, but. He was doing well in that position, but the fact that he'd left the building, we needed someone in. And yeah, like we said in the previous show, going by the YouTube clips and stuff, a man Jota looks looks a looks a real good player. But like you've touched on, it's it's YouTube clips. Gia Marcus, I'm kind of on the fence with. It's it's just simply down to is it, is he a one season wonder or is he not? Hopefully, for your sake, he's not. But like. Like any normal Celtic fan, like yourself and stuff, we'll give him a chance. We'll we'll let him. We'll give him as much much of a chance as we can give him. Then Carter Vickers was a nice one to come in. Just simply as we said, we were we felt we were a wee bit short in in the central defensive position. So it was good to actually get that one sprung on us because by all accounts, watching the transfer deadline day, it didn't look apart from Jota and Giamakis, it didn't really look like we would get any other business done. And even then, I would have been, I'd have still been happy if Carter Vickers didn't come in. I mean, I actually went to bed because it seemed, by all accounts, his name was getting mentioned throughout the day. But after sort of 
I think it was Jota was the second one that got announced. It just seemed dead quiet. Everything never really seemed like Carter Vickers was going to go to leave Spurs. Everybody was just trying to get him on loan. But it, obviously Daniel Lee was a hard man to deal with, and I think it all came down to the fact that they managed to get him signed on a one-year deal, and it might have just simply been down to timing that the English window was closed or closing there wasn't enough time to actually do a deal there so it maybe that maybe worked in Celtic's favour and I and I like the Carter's Vickers and Jota deal with the fact that they've been transparent in the board and it's with an option to buy. Like I said on the previous point, I hope these kind of deals have got an agreed fee with that. So if the guy does actually have a great season we're not we can't afford them come the end of the season. So it's good that they've got that. I mean, the way the way you said there, you went to bed. My eyes kept closing, and then Celtic <laughs> put, put a tweet tweet out saying, and another one. And yeah. I knew it was going to be uh, Carter Vickers coming in, but I just wanted to say it, so I stayed up, but I paid for it and worked the, the day after. It was knackered, but <laughs> obviously, well, we'll touch on now. Going to like Zavetti, Christie, and Lee Griffiths have left the club. They left on the final day as well. But I mean, by all accounts, Diamakis, just to focus on him a bit, as you said. Is he a one-season wonder? Because by all accounts, his best goal-scorer season was last year in, in the Dutch league, and he finished top goal scorer. But his club got relegated, and we spoke about this on the, our actual podcast chat in terms of the, the group chat. And it's like, why are no other clubs coming in for him, or what? What is it? There must be like a hitch. There must be a part of the yeah. thing we're missing here, Francis. But I looked at him today in some of the the training pictures they put out. And obviously, as just glances and what you see and on the Instagram feed, they put up these stories and all. He looks like a, a battering ram. He looks like a machine. He yeah. looks well. He looks well built, and he looks quick from the clips I've seen of him. Do you think, especially with Kyogo as the first choice striker for kind of Diamakis to come in or even start with him, just for that bit of physicality? Do you think that could help Kyogo kind of release himself even more on defenders? Oh, totally, Stephen. Is going by what I've seen as well, obviously from Instagram, then watching. Uh, videos online of him it's totally different from from him from Gox he does look like he's a tall Barton Ram got got that strong physique and he, he does seem to score all kinds of goals and stuff he's, he looks like he's a composed certainly from a lot of his goals last season they were, they were very composed finishes and stuff and he was getting scored a, a few headers as well so it could help sometimes you might need to change and go two up top and stuff and maybe just like go, go old school and play the play the little guy off the, the tall guy sometimes football doesn't need to be awkward to beat a team sometimes you could just go old kick it up the park knock it guy knocks it on and you Kyogo plays it off so it gives us a different option which is all, always good going forward yeah we, we better Scott McDonald and Fanagura Hasling yeah back there that, isn't it that worked alright uh, did work alright big Fanagura uh-huh. Hasling I mean what a player he was I, I loved him Scorer that of, he's always scored oh. big, go- big game goals he did, he did oh, definitely. And then you, you look at the likes of Jadagum <coughs> coming in, he could be the Mickey Johnson we've all been crying out for, one that stays yeah. fit, hopefully. Um, <laughs> he, he looks like he can, I don't know, the, the clips I've seen of him, Francis, he, he looks frightening. The way, he, yeah, the way he takes the ball and, and the skills he does in tight areas, it's something to look forward to. Um, Carter Vickers, as you said, it's a welcome addition to the centre-back kind of area. I know we'll have Starfelt with Sandy Rikidi and Liam Scales. I don't really know about Liam Skills. Let's touch upon him a wee second. Now, he's came from the Irish League. And I've seen that Celtic put out a wee clip of him and he totally skinned Sorrow inside out and he, he placed the ball in the bottom corner. But again, Sorrow hasn't been that good this season, so he can't really take much from that. <laughs> but Liam Skills, Francis, 
Now, all the League of Ireland fans that I've been seeing on Twitter are saying this guy can come into our team at left back, left wing back, and he can also play centre back role as well. Do you think possibly he could be Greg Taylor's kind of competition, or even his kind of his predecessor, someone to take the jersey from him? I actually do, and I've got to credit. I used to call him a friend, call him what, until he stitched me up with that quiz on his show that I'd done a, a wee while back there. But I actually was listening to the, the Axon thing the other day when they were talking about uh, the, the sort of window, and he had said that that he thinks he might be a replacement. And I've I've watched a couple of clips on the back of that, and I can see it because uh, Colin actually mentioned a good thing where he said he, he's also played on the left of a back three, so he might be more natural to come in. Obviously, because Postacoglu likes his, his right and left back to maybe come in and play a sort of centre midfield type role that he likes him to come into the middle of the park at times. So it might well be that, yeah, he can play centre half, but it might be as a direct competition for Taylor. So you might you and Colin Watt might be onto something there. Yeah, I've seen clips of Liam Skills. Like he, he's played in Europe and all for Shamrock Rovers, and he's actually scored some cracking goals as well from outside the yeah. box. and. As you said, that kind of versatility, if, if Postacoglu, as we all know, wants to play them inverted wing-backs or inverted full-backs coming into space in the middle of the park, he can exploit that by even going wide himself and bombing up the pitch. I mean, that's if we're playing a back three. But one player I want to touch upon as well, and we've only really seen the, the game of him again in the Glasgow Derby, and he played at left-back, but Juranovic, the right-back creation, he, by all accounts, I mean, I think Croatia were playing last night, and he got player of the match, man of the match, and mm. He got a good rating and he was playing right back. Do you think, obviously, Ralston's been playing, he's been playing well, but again, I think Europe, he's, he, he gets found out and stuff and I've been critical of him and I'm going to stand stand by some of it. <laughs> I, I think he's going to be solid in terms of playing in the SPFL for us and cup competitions if Juranovic needs a rest. But you look at the types of players that Postacoglu's brought in, most of them are 26, 25 with the odd young player free in. But Juranovic, for me, Francis, is a great statement of intent because this guy was, he's in his prime, Croatia International, right back, was a mainstay for Lega Warsaw and a, and a good team in Poland. Arthur Boric, obviously, the holy goalie plays there and he gave him his blessing to go to Celtic, which was fantastic <laughs> to see. But what's your opinion of Juranovic at the moment? Well, I'm still still on a high from like the last podcast. <laughs> I really do think we've got a really good player in, player in our hands and a little bit me does feel for Ralston because I'm a little less critical Stephen I, I think the guy has been brilliant for us this campaign yeah the Altmar away leg he wasn't great but there was not many pass marks there but incidentally I, I feel the first leg against Altmar it was probably his best game I've seen him in a Celtic jersey so he showed he can go to that level just maybe not consistently and like you said he's I think he's found a role in the team as well deserving of the jersey and by accounts it should be his jersey to loss now but after seeing Juranovic, his debut at left-back, and then hearing about his performance for Croatia and that, and I just I really like the look of the guy, and his, stat, his numbers going forward for Liga Wars on things like his assists are they're in double figures and stuff, so it's it's kind of gold dust for a right-back. It's You don't really buy that for £2.5 or whatever it is we buy it, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to this guy. I think we, we've got a real good player in our hands there, and some of the reports you've been reading, like things online, that's t- certain folk from the Croatian team and things that I can't understand how we managed to get them for two and a half million. 
It's yeah. just simply because an international, it's like you say, at 25, 26 year old and that. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing more of this guy. Yeah, I mean, the right back position has been a problem. Obviously, we yeah. lost this thing and then we tried to bring in, like, so Jeremy Toyan and Moritz Bauer. And so, I mean, yeah. it's, it's been a uh, Jeremy Frimpong. I mean, all credit to him. He, he was he, he was brilliant going forward. Obviously, he ball like, but he could skin players for fun defensively. Yeah. He got yeah. found out as well. So, maybe this guy coming in your elephants will be the mainstay going forward. He signed a five-year deal as well, which I think yeah. in terms yeah. of modern-day football, especially at a club like Celtic, that's kind of rare. Usually yeah. it's a four-year four deal and they're looking for a move. Now, we've seen that with loads of players, but one other position that was a big problem for us and our, was goalkeeping position, Francis Knight. <laughs> I know. <laughs> if, if people listen to the podcast like three weeks, four weeks, five weeks ago, they'll still hear me and maybe a bit of you kind of wanting Barkas mm. to stay number one. I don't know what Liz, but a part of me is always going to feel sorry or bad for Barkas. I, I just think there there is a keeper there, but he's never going to rediscover the Celtic. And I kind of came to terms with that. As much as I wanted him to be the number one, we did sign an experienced goalkeeper, former England international, over 75 caps, Joe Hart. Now, for me, I made this clear as well. I didn't, I couldn't stand Joe Hart. I really couldn't before he came in to Celtic. And that, that goes as far back when he was playing for City. And England and I always thought Fraser Foster was a far better goalkeeper on him. But again, people look up here towards our game, especially down south, is kind of the, the pub league. So mm. Fraser Foster never really got a chance to name the team, Francis. But you look at Joe Hart and I, put all his ego and stuff aside that we thought he had, and he's come into Celtic and he's bought into the whole environment. He's like the face captain, to be honest. You see him talking to McGregor all the time and he's organizing that back four. When I was at the Hearts game, the, the cup one, which won 3 2, you could hear him shouting all the time at the back four organising and there was a clip in the TV when we played Rangers and he's literally his face is going purple shouting at the wall where, where to be and no, yeah. one, no one's listening he's trying to shout louder but he's made a big difference for me to that defence I know there's still shaky times and that kind of thing but that's going to take time to come and I think Joe Hart is, is a major building block on that what, what's your opinion on that signing? Yeah unfortunately I think I've got I've been totally proved wrong on the podcast one I, I'm with you I'd I'll, I'll stick with you simply because there's nobody else on the podcast that's got to go against us. There's not got to go against us, but I do believe that there, there must be a keeper in Barkas. He's just at the wrong. He's in the wrong move here at Celtic right now. I just I don't think it's ever going to happen for him at Celtic. And like you say, when you've got Hart coming in, he's he had that area against Alkmaar. But apart from that, I don't think he's really made any other glaring, obvious mistakes. He's had really good good saves and key saves and, and important matches so and like you see his experience I, th- I believe he was the vice captain at Man City and stuff and then obviously he was a key part of a couple of their league winning title campaigns so it's you don't it's again one of the ones you don't get that experience for that kind of money and if the stories are true that he was on about 60 60,000 60, plus a week at uh, Spurs and came to us for 15 grand a week then it just shows you the guys, guys here for football, football and reasons and and nothing else, and that's always got to give you a good head start if if they true kind of stories, stories are true, I'd say. And yeah, I think it, like you say, if with that experience, that command like a commanding figure of organising the defence and that, that's it's just got to benefit the team going forward because you've kind of got to build from the back. I feel like that's get the foundations right, and as much as it goes, what you say, I just I bark ask. What on the evidence of what we've seen would never have had this kind of impact, and it, it didn't. He wasn't a talker, and I think you need to keep it to do that. 
nah, he, he wasn't a talker. I mean, in terms of the whole the kind of leadership department, commanding your box, Joe Hart's miles and streets ahead of him. Yeah. And there's also there's also a link there with uh, Carter Vickers as well. He's come in from Spurs. So yeah. by all accounts, understanding there. Yeah. By all accounts, Joe Hart wasn't first choice of Spurs, so he probably knows uh, Carter Vickers well. And if he slots into the fence, then you're already building the putting them building yeah. blocks in place for going forward. Now, we've seen Car Starfelt, Irrigidi, Liam Scales, Abada, all them types of players. But there's one player I want to talk about, and it's for me. And, and I know I've I've, seen, I've heard Celtic player, uh, Celtic player, Celtic people or Celtic fans saying he will play, he'll play a big part. But it's James McCarthy, and for me, it's. It's the strangest signing of the window. Now, yes, we've left this window, the deadline day passed, and we're kind of weak in the midfield area in terms of centre mids. But James McCarthy at 31 on a four-year deal, I believe, and he won't be on a low wage, Francis. I just think, for me, that's a strange bit of, bit, bit of business. I, think, I can see the whole Irish connection, but you also have to factor in there as well. His injuries, he's played about 16 games in three years. Yeah. So I, I, I don't get why we signed him. I know there's the experience side of things, but you kind of counter that with likes of Hart, Joe Hart, McGregor, Juranovic is experienced. What's what's your take on the whole McCarthy thing? Yeah, I'm similar. Like when you, well, obviously I was similar. I never actually thought about it strange, but as a wee bit, I think it's it was always a name that was always linked with Celtic many many times, and a wee bit of me thinking it's just time and it's what was that? Free transfer. It was a free transfer that came I in as well. So yeah. I think a lot of that's down to the fact that we've not actually paid a transfer fee for him. We needed recruitment, and I know Postacoglu's came out and said they'll not just sign anybody for the sake of it. I think McCarthy might slightly be one of an exception of that. He's maybe been brought in to bolster the number if you like. I mean, I think you will get obviously get the experience from him if you can keep him fit. You will have a very handy player in our hands. He's not a match winner, but he's certainly the type that will not lose your game. He'll be able to control the, control the pace of your game. So I think if he can stay fit, I think it can be a, a good signing. But I get what you're you're saying. It's a strange one. It it, it came out the blue, I feel like it was... It, it, I can't remember reading any rumours that we were in from. It, just, it was all about Hart then the next thing. We'd signed both of them the same day, but it's it's not one I'm disappointed that came in, but it's not one that I've got excited about either. It's like almost like McCarthy got on the wrong taxi. It was Joe Hart's yeah. to Glasgow. Yeah. He's, he's, he's turned up to the boardroom. They're like, nah, should we do it? And they're like, I just go for it. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, I, I, get, I get what you mean. Look, free transfer, but again, you have to factor in what wage will he be on. I don't think he'll be on peanuts. He definitely won't be. He's been on high wages most of his career down south. But I mean, before we we kind of move on to obviously rating the window and kind of giving the summary on it. The players are read out. I'll come to yourself first because you're only one on, Francis. <laughs> Which of these signings excite you the most and why? Uh, well, Juranovic, I think a lot of that's down to being a problem position, but just his first game, I thought he was outstanding. And it's just like when we're sort of linked with him, I watched a lot of clips and I was desperate for us to sign him. Uh, he's one that excites me. Uh, Hart, I, I don't know if it excites or anything. I'm just happy more that we've got a keeper I can trust. <laughs> um, Abada excites me. He's just he's, he's old school. He's, he's a wee bit an old school winger. Likes getting the ball and running. It. But uh, Yota excites me as well. Similarly, the Abada quite uh, style so, so, and stuff. So, so everyone, so, I know, but I, I think you've got to go with Kyogo, haven't you? Just to yeah. start his mid. 
How can it yeah. not be him? He's he's lightning. He's mad, isn't he? He's just he does embraces everything to do with Celtic and it's yeah. the smile. Yeah. It's the smile he puts in your face, isn't it? Every time, every time you look at him, he, whether he's running or he's playing football or he's in the stands clapping the fans, you just want to smile all the time. He just he brings that happiness and, and that joy that kind of as fans we missed last season, obviously with that disaster and stuff. But yeah. the whole. But I think a lot of that's like a culture thing. Like the folk, yeah. the Asian folk, they had they generally are a happy kind nation sort of thing. Like folk from Japan and that, they always just seem to be just seem to be happy. Yeah. I mean, we we could take we could learn a thing or two from them, couldn't we? Yeah, yeah, totally. But I mean, for me, it is Kyogo. He's the number one. But I'm gonna throw in there uh, Jada from Benfica. I just yeah. think he has the potential, even though we haven't seen him. But I'm just going by the, the loads of clips I've seen and I've watched. Yeah. He he looks oh he looks fantastic and he's won awards at every level in Portuguese football, whether that be national or league in terms of where he's playing. And I'm just excited to see him. For me, the window in general, Francis, has been probably for me about a seven out of ten because we're going to come uh, on to the stuff that we're going to come on to the stuff we haven't really we haven't really kind of strengthened. And you've seen what happened last season when we got ahead of ourselves with transfer windows when we signed Shane Duffy and the, and the likes people were giving it ten out of ten. This is amazing. And look what happens. Obviously, you look back in hindsight. And you I mean, I think, I will, yeah, in hindsight, because last season that, that on memory that's one of the best windows I think we've ever had. On, me- yeah, on, paper, no, on paper and on memory, but oh god, we spent we spent upwards of twenty million pounds, didn't we, or something? So yeah, but I mean, some of the players were like Bellerman, Barkas, Duffy. Uh, yeah, it was on paper. These were good players we were playing. Yeah, and the experienced international players yeah. too, which was the the weird thing about it. But what would you give this window in terms of the score? Yeah, I, I think I think seven's fair. I think seven's mm. fair. Just be what we're basing it on. Like it's it's a massive turnaround. I think it's about thirty odd players if you include the the ones that left. And then if yeah. you include maybe the Colts players that we've brought in that could potentially step up depending on how many games they play there. But yeah, well, we're never going to get every position in. I'm, I mean, I'm surprised we've done as many as much business as we did. So I, I, I feel I'm, I'm not going to get too carried away simply because of what you touched on there of last season's summer window. But Maybe that's just me trying to be a wee bit more reserved and not get too excited so I can get a nice wee surprise. But I think seven's a fair a fair judgment just just on the face based on what we've got considering obviously you lost Christie and Edward and things like that. These are these are big game players as well. So I think I, yeah, I'd be happy with a seven. I'm 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 fairly okay with the the window. Yeah. I mean, obviously there as you said, the turnaround in players has been massive, especially like watching Edward leave, Christie go, Griffiths is out on loan. I mean, yeah. many Celtic fans don't want Griffiths near a club, and I'm included in that. But uh, it, before we touch on the outgoings, obviously, you look at the window, but you have to counter it with some kind of different views. And for me, we're lacking depth in the left back area. I know Greg Taylor, he's been doing well, but he's injured. Well, I think was I. So mm-hmm. Ranafi's played mm-hmm. for him in left back. He's injured. Don't know when he's back. You've got Ball and Goalie, who looks like he's getting nowhere near the team. Montgomery can play that that position but again you're relying on a young player you look at the centre midfield position you've got McGregor Beaton possibly gets pushed back up in the centre midfield you've got Turnbull you've got obviously McCarthy and Shaw and Luke O'Connell if you're going further down the squad but again I think we're lacking quality in that position left mid I know we're saying Jada but again Johnston he's injured I know Kyogo can play there but can't get the best out when he's playing left mid and one of the most important positions for me and I don't know about yourself, Francis, is centre attacking midfield. 
And at the moment, we've got two players to play that role, and that's Turnbull and Rodgers. And even at that, Turnbull plays as the eight because he needs some, McGregor needs someone beside him. And I just don't think that Rodgers has enough to get us through the season in that position. No, I get the the lack of uh, sort of depth as I wouldn't say concerning, but it was always going to be hard. Like, like I thought, so I think it was sixteen players left, a lot of them first team players and stuff. So you were always you were always up against it. We knew it was going to be a big turnaround and stuff. So there is obviously like you see the left back position, but maybe skills can be slotting in there, so it gives us two options there. Montgomery maybe could play the sort of left mid role higher up the park. He, he played that against came on against Rangers and played that position. So there is versatility in the team, but it's obviously not it's not ideal. But it's I think it's it's one of these ones when we knew we were never going to get all this business done in the the one window. It was always got to take a few windows. I'm I'm a wee bit. I don't know if it's right saying I'm a wee bit like yourself, but I'm a wee bit like a miser with that. I wanted everything done the now. I understood that we would get everything done, but at the same time, I understood we wouldn't get everything done in this window. We'd maybe need two or three windows, probably four, but at the same time, I'm looking after the first window going, how we not done this? How we not done that? So, <laughs> yeah. so I'm, I'm one of them. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ever happy, but at the same yeah. time, I'm happy with it. It's just, it's a weird one. And then, I think you've kind of got your credit, Dominic McKay and uh, Postacoglu and this, the turnaround of Donny actually have us playing, playing decent football and looking competitive like we will put a good challenge in, considering we've done it without a head of recruitment as well. So I'm hoping now at the window, the back, like what they'll start working on is getting the back, the background team and all that kind of sorted up until January, maybe work on that side of the rebuild. So it's... I hope so. In terms of the, the backroom team, to be honest with you, like you're you're looking at the goals we're still conceding, set piece goals, and there's John yeah. Kennedy and Steve, Steve McManus in that backroom. Do you know what I mean? What are you uh, doing, guys? Uh, Get that sorted out. But obviously, but in the the initial fan press conference and the, when they first came in, they did speak about getting past this window and then looking at yeah. modernising yeah. that word again, modernising <laughs> the football department. But I know it's two days in, but again, two days in that obviously the deadline being passed, I mean, by that sense. And there's obviously, there's been no kind of murmurings that anyone's been linked with these roles, but obviously maybe in months to come, that's going to fall into place. As you said, we're all impatient one thing's done yesterday. But yeah. you, you you look at the, I know I said the other about Rodzic, the centre attacking midfield, and his fitness always gets called into question. And the reason I think he was left out of the Rangers game was purely because of that as well. He, the, the game of passing by, much like we've seen in the Alkmaar game when the midfield was non-existent. It's a concern for me that the fact that we're kind of relying on him now to play all these games and the engine room to me, if you look at it, McGregor, Turnbull and Rodgers, there's not much steel in there. And we've seen two games in a row, Francis, where mm-hmm. the midfield mm-hmm. battle's been lost. Do you not think that's a wee bit of concern? Yeah, I do. I th- like, Turnbull's performance, I, I don't know if I'm reading too much into Turnbull's performance against uh, Rangers, but it does look... I don't know, like his conditioning is up there. It's like he just when he he's obviously got that bit of skill to get away from someone, but it doesn't seem to have the the sort of his speed and power to actually drive and run away from a player. So mm-hmm. that that is slightly concerning it for me. And like you say, it's the fitness side of, of Rogic and Tumble. They don't seem to put always always last the full ninety. And 
Yeah, it was. It would have been good to get someone else in there, maybe just to to drive us on a wee bit. But it maybe wasn't for the lack of trying. It's just maybe the right guy wasn't there, and maybe he's hoping he can get through until January because I think he's also said that he'll he would maybe try and exploit the the Japanese market again in January. It's a lot easier to do business. So I think he's hoping he's obviously trying to prioritise other areas and. Because they start obviously Rogic, Tumble and McGregor the way they kind of played their two home games, I think, and against Altmar, I think he was hoping this might go be okay going forward. But then obviously the the away leg against Altmar, then the Rangers game, he's kind of got his question all that. So yeah, it's I'm not I wouldn't say I'm worried, Stephen, but it's not ideal the uh, the sort of a, the engine room if you like. That's what I'm saying. The the only worry I have is the fact that. Them guys, McGregor, Turnbull and Rodgers, they're the nailed-on starters in, in kind of the centre midfield positions and the attacking midfield. And you go below that, you've got McCarthy, who won't be match fit for ages by the sounds of it. Liam Shaw, who's kind of dropped in the pecking order. And then, obviously, you got Luke O'Connell, who's a, who's a great ball player. But again, these guys aren't first team ready for me. And I think we should have kind of prioritised at least one more midfielder. I know Beaton can come into that position, but... I just believe Beaton should have left, and I'm really surprised he's still. It's all defensive, but it's all defensive. Eh? We're more want a, a ten, a Christie. <laughs> Aye, <laughs> yes, that. so that's what that's what I'm saying. We've kind of got no number ten apart from Rodgers now, which is a bit like, come on, we should have kind of done that position. But I'm glad you brought up Christie, and we'll move on to the outgoings on the final day. And it was quite busy in terms of that. We're seeing odds and Edward leave, go to Crystal Palace for around about sixteen million pounds plus add-ons. Ryan Christie got his dream move to Bournemouth, who's all he wanted to play for since <laughs> in the oh, championship. Yeah, and that's been for around £2 million because obviously the fee's going to go mm. down because he's had a contract soon. And then Lee Griffiths has joined Dundee on loan. And while he's at Dundee, he's still trying to fight with Neil Lennon. I don't know why, but we'll get into all that soon. Now, first, we'll touch upon the odds of Edward thing. Now, I, you, many people on the podcast group have kind of... Frust- Fanted our frustrations at Edward for months now that his heart's not been in it. And we all expected this day to come. But I have to admit, when I seen it all come through, I was a wee bit, not emotional, but a wee bit just down watching all his clips, all the goals he scored. Yeah. When he gave us 100%, when he was running them behind, when he was taking defences on for fun. And I'm looking at them clips going, why could you not just do that just last season and the start of this season? Does it give us all great memories again of you before you go? But by all accounts, Francis, he was a fantastic striker for us. He was brilliant. The goal he scored at Ibrox in that 10-man game and one flea two, fantastic. The goals he scored in Europe, I mean, the free kick he scored as well, penalty kicks, whatever whatever it may be, he was a brilliant server for the club. And obviously some Celtic fans kind of have a sour taste in in terms of his effort and stuff. But just putting all that aside for now, Francis, he's got his move to the Premier League with Crystal Palace. Yes, Crystal Palace are nowhere near the size of Celtic as a club. But Edward, as he stated, wants to play in the Premier League and he got that move and we recouped £16 million for him. Do you think that's, that was a great bit of business and also your thoughts on Edward leading too? Well, first of all, like, as when a guy's been so public about, public about what to leave and stuff and he's only got a year left in his contract, we know we always kind of get shortchanged anyway in Scotland. So I, th- I think it is a good piece of business to get that kind of figure for him. Obviously, there's certain add-ons. I suspect there'll be a sell-on fee yeah, obviously PSG will be entitled to some of some of that, but I think all in all, it's it's as good a deal as I think we could have expected. If, if maybe a couple of other teams that were rumoured to be linked with him 
got involved, you maybe could have drove that price up, but it seemed Crystal Palace were the only ones that put a firm offer in, so you've always got to struggle to get that extra few million when you're not actually competing against anyone. But as for Edward the player, it's yeah, it didn't didn't seem like his heart was in it last season and the start of this season, but like you touched on there as well, it's the goals the guy scored like his initial loan spell he was up against uh, Dembele and I think obviously uh, Griffiths at the time who were who were doing well he came in eventually on a permanent deal for well what is still our, our club record signing and the guy for me has lived up to that and the important goals he scored like well we obviously had Dembele like the goal against Rangers and when he left we were like what's happening and Edward just being the nice guy that he was just thought well I'll take over this mantle and I'll score <laughs> the goals against Rangers and it's but even like the the treble treble winning goal and stuff just that mm-hmm. game it was absolutely brilliant against Hearts and stuff it's so many good memories for the guy in that like you say I was watching plenty of YouTube clips and old video goals um, when it went through and that and it was just like ah oh. and then when you seen Crystal Palace doing the the I want to be adored video and announcing them and stuff I just I, you, I wasn't ready do you know for something, it do you know something Francis sorry because well, I thought that was that was brilliant with Crystal oh, that Palace. Was just to say that. That was, it was a brilliant way of announcing somebody. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. But yeah, no, I'm going to miss the guy because I genuinely think, like, we have been blessed recently with the strikers we have in, in Dembele and, and Edward. So, and now by all accounts, it looks like we've got another wee gem in Kyogo. So, yeah, I'm going, to, I'm, I'm going to miss the guy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard watching him. But I think. I think last season, although he ended up top goals going the league, I think the way he seemed to play and how we looked, it's that's also contributed to him going to a, a Crystal Palace. But I think wonder working under a guy like Vieira, who they might not necessarily know personally, but obviously with that them both being French and Vieira being a big big figure in France football, I think he can maybe get the best <coughs> out of him. And you know what it's like down in that Premiership. If Edward has a good season this season. And another club's got to hit, another club will take a punt on them because they'll they'll look at it and go, could he be a Van Dyke? Could he be a Wanyama? They'll just they'll or they'll uh, they'll probably just take a punt on them and it'll maybe cost them thirty five million. But it's it's peanuts to them when you see guys like Ben White going for fifty. It's, oh. it's nothing. Funny. So I think I, I I I'm not a better fan in the sense that I don't want him to succeed. I don't want him. To, I hope I hope he does well. I'm not got to lose sleep but I'm not going to be like all I don't know how to put this like try to like wish them all future future success going oh I hope he gets here I hope he gets here but I mean I wish the guy well it, mm. it just it was just one of them it was I think it was just maybe his attitude he was promised a move early and he thought he was getting a move and maybe it was just that Frenchness and I'm just they started sulking really <laughs> but I mean at the end of the day as you said I wish him well. I'm sure the majority of Celtic fans do. Do you know what I mean? It's as yeah. we, we touched upon there. It was his attitude towards then. You could just tell he wasn't in it. He missed chances he would have buried two years ago, and he wasn't making them runs. He wasn't making them clear decisions. It was kind of just lackadaisical. And that's why yeah. we're fronted our frustrations towards him. But as you said, a, a good season with Crystal Palace, and they have good players to feed him, like the Sahan thing. So I'm, ex- I'm expecting him to score a fair amount of goals, and who knows, he may get that move to a bigger club in terms of the Premier League standards. And we'll move on to Ryan Christie. Now, wow, let me hold on here to <laughs> take my seat again and get started, right? 
Ryan Christie, this guy, for the best part of a, a year and a half now, you could tell as well that his heart wasn't in it. His dad was down in England at the start of last season, touting him for moves to English clubs and obviously didn't materialise. But ever since that kind of came out, that was kind of leaked out, his head's been down. He just hasn't really cared. There's been fits and, fits, fits and flashes of him playing well. Start of this season, we all raved about him. Rightly so, because he did play well in that left wing position. It seemed like the Christie of old under Brendan, Brendan Rodgers were back. But again, Christie comes back in his, his great fashion of saying that Bournemouth was a dream club for him. And he's had an affinity, yeah. affinity with Bournemouth since he was a kid. And I just don't get why footballers like him have to say these things. It's like they almost want to be accepted by the fans straight away instead of letting their, their performances do the talking, Francis. And it sounds like I'm a bit being a bit downbeat on him, but it's true. Who, Ryan, who are you kidding? Bournemouth were not a club that you followed when you were a boy or even when you were older. It's it's madness that he says these things. And and he wanted to move to the Premiership, but he ended up in the Championship. And it, it just proves that what I was saying all them times, that he played for himself as an individual last season. And I think, to be honest with you, Francis, the clubs looked at that and felt, thought, I don't want that around. Every, every chance they'd look at it and it's like, yeah, when I read that comment about how Bournemouth apparently were in for him a wee while ago, so he's always paid attention to him, I was like, oh, yeah, like, it just reminded me of Robbie Keane every time he went to a yes, club. It's, been a, it's yes. been a dream come true, and you're like, how many teams did you support Robbie Keane? And I just feel like that was that was a wee bit of a Robbie Keane moment for, for Ryan Christie. There was just, I honestly don't, I don't get it. Like, Bournemouth, I don't know. I, they play they'll probably they're a bit of yo yo club they're they're up and down the leagues. Yeah, they were in the premiership for a good few years, but they're they're a nothing club. Like their their full capacity doesn't even hold I think it's as I seen a start like I think it's something like a quarter of our capacity the North Stand is about mm-hmm. nice. the same capacity. Yeah. they their full full stand full stadium and they don't even fill that. It's yeah, it's it's got to be a, a big ball for Grace for him, I think. And, but, I mean, we know he's got the talent to, to he does, perform. So he does. maybe he could get that move into the Premiership. I don't, I don't think he'll get to the level he hoped to get to. But, yeah, it was it was a strange one because he did start the season fairly well and there was a contract offer there. But he obviously knew there was offers down in England. There was maybe just... Bournemouth probably have offered them as more than what Celtic could do because unfortunately teams like Bournemouth cannot actually pay guys better wages than Celtic so with the money down there so I think I, I think obviously money has played a big part in it there's no way he was, he's been paying attention to Bournemouth for the last three, four years <laughs> especially when they get relegated you're not still going yeah, out there I'm, exactly. desperate to get to, I'm desperate so we get there but to get two, two and a half million for a guy with six months left in his contract that's it's a good bit of business at the end of the day Mm. I've seen a cracking photo on Twitter. I don't know who pulled up, so if you're listening, claim credit for it, fair enough. But it was a photo of a, a bedroom just kitted out in Bournemouth. Things <laughs> this was Ryan Christie's bedroom when he was young. <laughs> but again, as, as, as you said, like it's going to be a fall from grace for him. And one thing I'll tell Bournemouth fans is, please let the board know down there that invest in bigger nets behind the goal because they're going to need it. <laughs> them, houses no. behind them, them houses behind them stands are going to have a major window repair bill. At the end of the season, <laughs> but you went full circle on the guy now. You're way back. To <laughs> <laughs> the only reason why is because, like, it's it's comments like that really get me. Uh, no. It gets me angry because you, you're right. The point at Robbie King, he was joining all these random clubs, 
sender the team that he supported when he was a kid and all. And it's like, well, what? What are you doing? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? St- stop talking shit. But look, we'll move on from Christie again. We'll wish him well. We'll see what happens with him down there. And we'll move on to another striker. Obviously, the controversial figure. I mean, you have to say that when you talk about Lee Griffiths. And he's left to go on loan to Dundee under manager James McPate, Big Pick. And by all accounts, them, them guys are best of mates. And it could work for him there. But again, Francis, it's one of them things with Lee Griffiths, isn't it? It's like we give him that deal, the year deal at the start of the season, five days later bang, everything blows up. And it's it's a never-ending circus for Lee Griffiths in terms of being involved with Celtic. And I think it was a it was a kind of a, a show that Postal Coglu didn't need around him. Celtic yeah. didn't need it around him. And going to Dundee for him, I know there's a lot of Dundee fans who didn't want him. I read it under their Twitter feed. I was quite interested to see what they all have to say. But it's a move that Lee Griffiths had to make. I thought he would have went abroad or something to get away from all the heat. But he's went to Dundee and He's in the door and he's already still trying to pick fights and he's landing. I, I just don't get the guy sometimes. Yeah, he's, he's just a bit of an enigma. It's like like we've always said, a fit and firing Griffiths. You've got probably the best finisher in the Scottish football, but a country bill. But yeah, five just, years ago. Yeah, well, this is true. This is true. But still, <laughs> he was goal scoring big goals. I mean, it's hard to compete against guys at the level of Dumbelli, even Sinclair when he was playing up there, and, and Edward, who we were recently talking about. But he was still contributing to the team and stuff and things like that. So, yeah, it was, I wasn't, I don't know, I was a surprise they left. I'm, I'm not so sure. I just, I didn't expect, I don't if I thought he was going to go for it to be in Air Hibs. I get the Dundee move because he's got friends there and stuff. I don't know if he actually, I don't, and like you said, Stephen McPake, he, I think he gets James McPake. James, James McPake, Stephen. That's because I've got, there's a guy from Colthus <laughs> that we know called Stephen McPake, eh? James McPick, yeah, he's, he's good friends with him, so it, it's a move that could work, but I don't, I, th- I think he's played his last game for Celtic, I don't I don't see us giving him another deal and stuff, and I'm not wanting to call Griffiths out for being unfit and stuff, I don't I, I don't want to go into the Well, he stuff. was, he was. Yeah, no, no, but what I was meaning is, uh, I, I seen like his interview when he was obviously paraded and stuff, not when he was talking about Neil Lennon, but when he was paraded and stuff, and it it didn't look in the best physical condition again. I'm like, well, this is for a three, four weeks into a season and stuff, and you still don't look in peak condition. And I hate Kenny slating a guy when he's obviously had his he's had issues and stuff and that. But Lee Griffiths should have been our striker, for, well, Scotland striker on the Euros there, and he wasn't. You know what? Like the guy couldn't even get his get himself fit for Scotland being their first major championship in 21 year. I just. He's, he has got attitude problems and his interview as well, he's saying how I'm just got to, folk have had a lot to say, I'm just got to let my football do the talking, it's like, how many times you got to say this though? He's been, <laughs> saying it for, he's been saying it for absolutely years now and I do do try and choose my words wisely when I'm just because he obviously had um, well documented mental health issues so I, I, I do, I must try to choose my words wisely but when he does come out with statements like that, I've not actually heard what he said about Lennon, but it might be a wee bit just tip for tat because obviously Lennon's Lennon's had every, a go at everybody since they left Celtic, apart from Matt, and he was a pro, one of the big, big problems. So I've not really heard Griffith's comments and I'll probably not pay much attention to him. It was just that one when he said, I'll let my football do the talking. I was like, oh, it's how many times have I heard this for you and you have not? 
Well, he, he kind of contradicts that statement by having to go and Lennon, doesn't he? Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, yeah. you say that your football do the talking, but you continue to talk. I mean, come on here. But I'll tell you one thing, Francis. You seen me in peak condition in Glasgow, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. But, like, I, I mean, what we're going to do now, I'm, I'm going to land this on you, and I'm sorry for doing this, <laughs> but how would you line up now with all these signings in the team? I'll, I'll go first so you can quickly jot one down, even copy mine if, you're, if you need no. to. I'll go from going going forward now. Joe Hart and Nets, Urelovich right back, Carter Vickers and Welsh centre back, Taylor left back, McGregor playing that deeper role with Turnbull and Rodgers in front of him, Abada on the right, Kyogo through the middle, and Jota on the left. Would you go any different? Uh, yeah, well, just give me keep talking. <laughs> keep, keep talking. Uh, the, the, the reason, the, the reason, obviously, the, the midfield stays the same because again, we've kind of yeah. left that position, and it's a bit. That's who's going to start week in, week out, unless there's an injury. Abada for the pace on the right. Kyogo, there's no kind of question there. No. And Jota, just for the simple fact that we have really no one else on the left. And by all accounts, he looks fantastic. And the, and Juranovic at right back. I know it's harsh on Ralston. Yeah. But this guy, this guy's a creation at the national. And he's not going to take sitting on the bench too kindly, no. I don't think. So no. he'll be coming in and dropping Starfield out. Because I'll be honest, I think he's been pish. Apart from the Rangers game where he did have a decent game, but only because we were under the cosh, and that's what he was used to in terms of playing Russian football. Well, stays so in for me. We're, we're only going with with fit players. I mean, you've done well to fill that segment for me to fill out a team. I'll say well, that. You, you, is there many unfit players I'm missing? I know Forrest, but again, well, no, well, I mean, I'll give you. Well, I would put Hart in goals. Juranovic, yeah. Julian, Welsh, and Taylor, and then. So, I well, I get what you're saying there. So, you, would you not start your um Julianne and Carter Vickers now together? because uh, I, 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 I mean, it's maybe got to contradict me because I'm saying I'm putting Juranovic <laughs> in instead of Ralston. But <laughs> Welsh last season was flung in at the deep end and done done okay. He, he never really put a foot wrong. And then this season, I think he's been our best centre half. So I, I find it hard to drop the guy. But so I would I would maybe say Julian and Welsh in there. But I actually think. After the arrival of Carter Backers, not known, well, not seen a lot of them. I think we're actually, I'm, I'm, I don't know if it's a strong position, but I think we're actually doing okay. We might, you might start seeing the best of other players and stuff like, like you say, Startfelt. He's had these good moments, but he's had these horrendous moments as well. Yeah. But yeah, I think, well, my back four, I think just if everyone's fit is Julian, well, Juranovic, Julian, Welsh, and Taylor. Then the midfield three is obviously Cal Mack, Turn. Uh, Tumble and Rogic and yeah, I'm the same as you a bad as your Kyogo. Yeah. And I think as well, see the beauty about that front three, they can all switch positions during the game. Yeah. So there'll be a lot of there'll be a lot of rotation players, different yeah. players making runs, and it's quite exciting to look forward to that. And in terms of the, the, the main podcast, I mean we filled a good chunk, nearly an hour, just us two, and I think that's pretty <laughs> good. I'll give us give us a round of applause, people who's listening. <laughs> but uh, I mean I'll give us a nine out of ten for that. I, a nine out of ten, hundred percent. I just I bring the ten out of ten factors. I mean, but <laughs> in terms of the podcast, Francis, that's us finished, and we did describe the window around about seven out of ten being average and well above average. Obviously, we went over a lack of depth in certain areas and the outgoings and stuff. Have, have you enjoyed this one? Yeah, it was good just to have a wee bit different. Where you're obviously you've not really got the football to talk about with international break and stuff on, so it was good to kind of review the window on a whole, really, Stephen. Yeah, hundred percent, and. Looking forward to the next hopefully this international breaks over when we're back in action again yeah. to see these see these new guys and 
see how they play and stuff. Obviously, it'll take a while to settle in, but we do need to improve on six points and two wins and two losses. I think that's mm-hmm. pretty clear for for everyone. Do you know I mean for every Celtic fan? I know what we can see the the progression, the tactics, the play, the style under Postecoglou. But we need to start finishing teams off. And away from home, we've been suspect. And European football again, we've been suspect. And we need to improve that, especially getting into the the European Europa League group stage. Would you agree with that one? Oh no, hundred percent, Stephen. I totally agree. Like we obviously need to address the the poor away form, which carries into the last season as well. So hopefully these reinforcements can help that. And obviously another few weeks with the coaching behind them and stuff. So yeah, I'm, you know I'm, I'm optimistic. Do you know something? Do you remember when the bad form was happening under Neil Lennon? His favourite word was, "We've got another week's training, another week's training, oh, another week's no. training." Why does he remind me of that? I worse. I bet we can actually see progression under Postecoglou. Aye, we're just cl- we're just clinging on to things because it was Neil Lennon last season. I think we wanted yeah, it to work. And everyone who's listening, my co-host John has informed us all in the podcast group that we are expecting or hope to go live by next week. Whether that be the the Monday show or the the Thursday show, it should be one of them, Francis. So that's something to look forward to. It seems like this has been in the pipeline for <laughs> ever since ever since we started. Do you know what I mean? We're all for as long as they're the hound rumours. Oh, exactly. <laughs> that, that brings us back. And who called it right? By the way, just saying, guys, that, that was me. But to everyone who's listening, stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail. <laughs>